Today I sat down with Nicole Qualtieri, an editor, writer, photographer who loves the outdoors, loves her horses, and um, has been an amazing writer and editor of some pretty cool things out there. So join me and listen along to her story. All right, we are on today with Nicole Qualtieri, and I am excited to get to chit-chat with you and and sit down and hear everything um, from where you've gotten started to where you are now because, man, I... I think that the first, one of the first podcasts I did with somebody where they were interviewing me, I quoted you. And oh, what? That's yes. Crazy. <laughs> yes. I quoted you because I read an article that you wrote in Gear Junkie that one of the things that you said really stood out to me. And it was the part where you said, when you get up there to take a shot, to release an arrow, to whatever you are hunting and you're looking down at your target, you're not thinking, am I a man or a woman? And that really hit home to me um, just because of, I don't know, it, it just, it, it struck me to the core that at, at that point in time, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It just matters that you're a hunter. And right. that's all right. that matters. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, it's so true. I mean, that's like the whole thing, right? It's just um, gender doesn't really exist in the present. It exists on a continuum. So, exactly. Um, it's, it's something that I think we forget because it's such an ingrained part of who we are. Yeah individually and um i think it's good to recognize those moments when we can sort of step out of our identity and into the present moment it's true it's true but yeah that was my first intro to you was that quote um oh that's so cool in in that piece that you wrote and it it really meant a lot to me and i think i actually quoted you twice um in two different places and so it really that stuck um, to me. So actually getting to sit down and have a conversation with you, um, has been, I mean, we've been talking about this for how long? <laughs> for a while. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's Man. been kind of like, it's, it's been a busy. For both of us, busy. it's been crazy. Um, yeah. I think you asked me like right before hunting season. Yeah. So like rifle season is just, you know, it's lights out. Like everything is crazy. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, from there you go into the holidays, then you go into trade shows. And, yes. Um, and I actually had just had knee surgery. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, it's just so crazy. And that's how I get All you. Time. That's how I get you. I know you. how everyone's getting me now. It's like, <laughs> I, it's actually really funny. I got an email from someone and they're like, you can't go anywhere. So now I can actually get a hold of you. So, <laughs> We've got you yeah, stuck. So, yeah. Yeah. So now I'm in one place for a while and, uh, and then I'm doing... Uh, it was a full knee replacement so oh my gosh um yeah and then i'll be replacing the other knee in march so um it's a it's a long haul right now (laughs) wouldn't it um, be isn't it it's amazing how i understand why they don't do both at one time but wouldn't it just be nice to have it done (laughs) holly um they do actually it was my choice okay to do it this way so yeah i don't know i mean it would be nice but like um I'd also have had to like, I would stay in hospital and um, yeah. I live in a two-story walk up and it's winter outside in Montana and 
um, you know, I wanted to have one good leg. Yeah. So um, that was really the decision around that. And um, I have just decided not to regret it. Good. <laughs> to stick good. with my guns. And, and yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big process. But honestly, like, I have a lot of work that I really do need to sit down and do. Yeah. Um, and I'm such an active uh, all over the place kind of person generally that it's I don't really get this kind of time so um there is like a really good aspect to it you know yeah. I can really catch up and plan for the year and um get some writing done um yeah it's a glass half full uh, I don't know it's <laughs> you know I used to work in surgery uh you know uh I don't know, a while ago. And, um, and I remember doing knee replacements and I remember the doctors saying, you know, we, every once in a while we'll do them both at the same time, but man, it is so much, there's a lot of trauma. It really is. And, and to get the full physical therapy, healing fix, like the best that you can possibly do one at a time is the best way to go. So Kudos. I agree. You I chose agree. the best yeah. way. <laughs> I, I sure hope so. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, so. at this point, it's the only way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, work, it's working for me right now. All right. So take <laughs> us back. Take us back to um, to when you got started in the outdoors and hunting. We all kind of start from different places at different times in our lives. And I kind of want to hear where, where you started. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, the outdoors has always really been a part of my life. I grew up in sort of a rural area in Ohio, so I really grew up sort of this free-range kid. And, I mean, we'd, like, fish for bluegills and run around, and there were deer everywhere. And um, so it's always been a part of me. I had, like, this really bucolic childhood. Um, And um, I've ridden horses my whole life and played sports and so like the outdoors really sort of transitioned from like a playground to like where I you know played sports and did my hobbies um and then I lived in Colorado um and so I hiked a little bit in college and in high school um and I loved the mountains I skied was well, I, I snowboard but like I snowboarded a lot back then yeah and um, so like the outdoors was always tied to recreation for me. Um, but I don't come from like a traditional hunting family. Yeah. So, um, that was really something that I discovered later. So I moved to Montana in 2012 as 28 and, um, still working in corporate America and really started hiking, um, just for fitness really. And then I just fell in love with the mountains and, everything just sort of snowballed from there um i ended up quitting my job to pursue a job in the outdoors um i um actually sewed backpacks at mystery ridge for like eight months yeah which was uh i'm a terrible sewer but i know how to do it there you go um yeah it's a life skill i it's a it's a great life skill yeah my joke is that I worked there for eight months, but really I only worked there for four because I had to undo every stitch that I did. So <laughs> it was um, it was really fun. I still have a great relationship with you, those guys now that I work at Gear Junkie. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we just laugh about it. But 
um, that was really my first gig in the outdoors was working for Mystery Ranch. And then um, I took a summer off to go backpacking. So I like backpacked on the Continental Divide. Oh, um, amazing. I did 150 miles. Yeah, I did 150 miles by myself out there. Wow. Um, and went to a couple different mountain ranges in Wyoming and Montana and um, really like earned my place. Yeah. You know, like it was really hard but like you learn really quickly um when you're carrying your own weight and um it was really like this magnificent it was really hard um it's it's really hard to be out there for like five days on your own yeah and not see another person that's like it's a very bizarre feeling um but you also sort of catch the rhythm of things out there and um you know i was quiet I was by myself and so I had all these like just really incredible um experiences with wildlife and like as I kept walking um I was sort of thinking I'm like who has these kind of experiences you know like who's coming out like onto the into these places and like spending time with wildlife and like the answer that I came up with was hunters mm-hmm. so it initially like it wasn't from the food perspective it wasn't from you know, the conservation perspective, like, honestly, at that point, I didn't have an education in public lands. I didn't have an education in wildlife management. I was just curious. And I wanted to know what those animals were doing. You know, like, I wanted to know, like, their life habits and all, all that kind of stuff. And, and to me, I was like, well, hunters, hunters know that. Oh, yeah. So that was, so the, I think I came into it really differently. You know, I didn't come into it from like a social perspective. I didn't come into it from a relationship. Um, I didn't come into it from a, uh, a professional perspective, but that's where I ended up. Right. Um, and so like, I came back from that summer of backpacking, went back to Bozeman and it wasn't until December that I ended up getting a gig and that just happened to be um, at that point I was the social media community manager for ZPZ Productions um, which was actually the production company for Meat Eater so Meat Eater was my main project um, and yeah I mean I didn't know who Vernala was um, I knew who Anthony Bourdain was though and that's yep. um the that's the production company that started Mediator. So um But there's I something so stoked. There's something hugely organic about that because and and well, right. it, I appreciate that a whole lot more. Um, I mean, there's there are all different kinds of of ways to enter, like you said, into this industry and this community, but um, as organic as going out on a 150 mile hike um, and living out there and and just gaining that interest, that growth inward, um, there's something pretty amazing about that. It's really weird. I mean, I I've never met anyone else who really came to it in the way that I have. No. You know, yeah. And and um, I could easily just sort of skate on the fact that like I did end up getting this great job with Meat Eater, where I was surrounded by the best mentors in the industry, and really like that's what the catalyst was for me being a hunter. But like I have no way of knowing because that's just how my life turned out. You know, yeah. so. Um, like, I don't know if that wouldn't have happened. Like, would I be a hunter now? Like, I might, you know, like I might have figured it out. But I really was privileged to have that opportunity um, and work there for two years. 
just alongside some of the best minds and storytellers in the business. And I think uh, when you think about what it means to tell a hunting story, like ZPZ did it differently because they weren't, uh, it wasn't a hunting production company. Like everything they did was around story, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so um, I think that, really did change the game and I don't I don't like the word game changer. <laughs> it's overused. Yeah. But I think that but I think that, that did take a you know a, a different lens and put it on the situation um that you know now is very familiar to me. So um yes, it's uh, been really serendipitous in that respect. It's pretty cool. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from there, yeah, I'm lucky, you know. Um, so from there, I got to work at uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and I worked as their social media and online advocacy manager. So, um, you know, I was wearing a bajillion hats. Heck yeah, I you were. A lot of people get, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people get into those, um, into a nonprofit job, and they're like, oh my God, this is three full time jobs. Oh, yeah. It certainly was. Um, but it was like it was the right like learning opportunity for me at that point um and then after a year of working there i just decided to cut loose and um really take the leap into the unknown um and freelance i kind of started my own little company i still worked with bha i worked a little bit with hunty eat and a couple other groups so just doing like consulting and social media management for them um and kind of randomly i was asked to write an article for gear junkie um in june of gosh 2018 yeah um and that ended up snowballing into um being a full-time editor with them so um and that's now snowballing into other things so it's, it's been a really it's been a crazy journey it's been really fun i think that and it's like go ahead no well uh I just, I think it's really interesting how um, you can sort of put things out into the world. And if you're patient, like it, like things can really work out. So 100%. Yeah, I, mean, that's, I agree. That's my story. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, I think that uh, who we are isn't defined to this one little box. I think that with each experience, we're growing. And that depends on age. It depends on environment. It depends on what you allow yourself to step out into uncomfortably or comfortably. I think that um, no matter where you are. Generally, I think uncomfortable is better for growth. Agreed. Like, um, (laughs) I never would have, you know, I, I was really intent for like four months. I was unemployed. That's like the longest I've ever been unemployed before I got the job at Meat Eater. And it was because I was like very intent on getting the job that I want. Right. Um, you know, and that the job in the outdoor space that I needed. So like, that was a big sacrifice. And I was certainly like, like camping out in the woods. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like sort of, living on air and the graciousness of other people so um you know it was it was a big risk i used all my savings i cashed out my 401k and a huge leap of faith and yeah yeah and so i guess like um i'm pretty good at those so (laughs) that was like sort of the other thing that i did after bha right i was like all right like i've taken a leap of faith before Mm -hmm. um i can do it again and um, 
I don't know. I just love I, I love that feeling of not knowing. Um, it's probably more comfortable for me than it is for most people. Yeah. But I also, you know, I also don't have a family. Uh, I don't have kids or a partner. So, like, I'm really, like, liberated in what I can do for myself. It's true. Um, and, you know, and a lot of that is really intentional, you know. So, um I mean, but the thing is, yeah, is no matter I, if you are single or married or single with kids, like no matter what, that leap, you still have to take it. Like you still have true. to be able to yeah. to take that first step. And some people are more comfortable with change than others. I am very free spirited. Um, yeah. My husband is not. <laughs> he does not like change. Right. And so we kind of balance each other out a little bit. I would probably have my head in the clouds all of the time with these high aspiring <laughs> dreams. And he kind of brings me back to reality a little bit, whereas I pull him out of the mundane, unchanging life that he lives and is very comfortable. Right, right. And, um, and so... It, that works for us. It's a good challenge. Both ways. It's a great yeah. challenge both ways because I have to kind of yeah. hold back <laughs> right. these crazy right. dreams just a little bit. Um, but it, you do. You have to take that step one way or another, and and that's a choice. And so I'm just kind of seeing where you've come from and hearing where you've come from and seeing what you are putting out and the words that you write and. And the things that you do along the way with the communities, um, I'm very glad that you took those steps. So, oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It uh, it definitely I, inspires, especially other women, to look and say, "Well, I can do that. I mean, I can take that step. Yeah, I yeah. can push myself a little bit further." Um, it's just it's a it's a great right. example. And I, mean, I think it's like that the age old like adage like if I can do it anyone can yeah. but like but I feel like that's true you know I think that like when you lean into your strengths you know like I'm a terrible administrator like nobody wants me administrating anything <laughs> and there are plenty of people who have wor- there are plenty of people who have worked with me that are like you're terrible that would probably say that I'm terrible to work with and, and like I am terrible to work with when I'm not doing what I'm good yeah. at and like and I think that like there are a lot of people that feel stuck and they're stuck doing something that they're not good at. Mm-hmm. But like the reality is, is that like when you lean into what you're talented in, then opportunity opens up for you because you're doing what you're good it's at. It's true. So it's, it's like it's it's really interesting. Like when you step out of that place of like feeling like you're obligated to a certain lifestyle or a certain job, but then you're like, you know, like I'm a, I was good at sales. It was good in corporate America, but like the BHA role became really administrative and that was not for me. Right. So I, I think that it's really interesting to figure out that when you lean into your talent, you're also leaning into more financial opportunities for yourself yes. because when you do what you're good at, like people want to work with yes. you. And so, so that's like, that's been the real realization over really the past two years. Um, where I've gone from, you know, working in a job that, like, I loved the ethos, I loved the members, I loved, like, the public lands advocacy part of it, I loved learning policy, mm-hmm. like, I didn't love my job, to, like, to come in here where it's, like, okay, I'm writing and I'm editing and this is what I was born able to do, Yes, you know? Yes. I'm- like, language, language is my 
happy place. Mm -hmm. Language is my comfort zone. You can tell. You can tell definitely. And you can also, I mean, there's, I mean, if I went back to college and I looked, grades were like the thing that told me exactly what I shouldn't have been doing. And so looking back and saying, okay, well, I was a math major for a little bit and realized very quickly that that was not where my heart was <laughs> and then, right, and then yeah. moved into a couple of other things. And I was like, what am I doing? And then once I settled in something that I loved, it, it was almost like it was easy. I mean, I still had to work right. hard at it. So what did you end up graduating? So with? I am, I was a, a scrub nurse for cardiac surgery for years. Um, Oh, cool. So heart transplants, trauma, um, uh, trauma surgeries, all of anything that had to do with cardiovascular system, um, I would be in there helping with, um, sewing up patients, putting patients on. I mean, it was just, there was a whole lot of wonderful stuff that, Super active. yes, yeah, hands off. yes. And so I think that I've kind of dabbled in a couple of things since having kids, um, I mean, that was, it feels like generations ago, but then having kids, I don't know, the, the, the different changes that you go through, whether you have kids or you go through multiple jobs or I, each, like we said earlier, each stage of your life, you're growing and changing. And I think, man, I think I hit 35 and I went, I think I'm figuring out who I am finally. Um, I feel the same way it, and I'm, I'm that age right yeah, now. It's like magical. Yeah. <laughs> it really yeah, is. It's pretty cool. Um, and so the past five years, I turned 40 this year and I feel like the past five years have been, um, a little bit life altering, um, not in an aspect of character, but in an aspect of if really, truly figuring out the things that I love and, and it has right. probably, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with feeling secure. Yes. Securing confident in who I am. Um, and I think that like through like, you know, people think that like the twenties are like the best time no. to be a woman, but really it's like, <laughs> no. so, I know. You know, I think you sort of start getting past like a lot of the like really deeply gendered things that you grew up with mm -hmm. and you know you're finally understanding what it means to be a malleable person and you have like this array of life experience beneath you and um I don't it's a it's a huge transition but like it's an easy one yes once you get there you're like why did I ever give a shit about what anybody yeah. thought why did I waste my time why and and you know I have noticed Sorry, I no that's okay <laughs> I have noticed that my circle of friends has probably gotten smaller. Um, I think that that's so natural. It though. is. I think in my twenties, it was like, yeah. who can I reach out and touch and have community with, and mm -hmm. la 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 la. And then I hit right. my thirties, and especially later thirties, and it was like, okay, who do I want closest to me? Who exactly? Who is yeah. that support system? Who is? Who am I wasting breath on? Who am I putting out more for? And it's not really being received back, which 
in essence. Right. Who gives, yes. Who's the two way street? Yes. Who, which friends are like on the right plane of existence? Exactly. And like, that's been what's so interesting about like building a community within the hunting space is that none of my friends hunted. Yeah. So, like, I didn't, you know, my friends didn't hunt, like, the people I dated didn't hunt. Like, it was, it was a totally, new thing for me so to come into hunting initially like I was really hunting alone mm-hmm. um I mean like Giannis Patelos took me on my very first hunt um and after that I was like okay like time to figure this out <laughs> and I kind of um scrapped together so I was like volunteering for BHA I was working at Mediator. um so like I knew people in the industry and people sort of in the like periphery that were hunters and so i really reached out to a few folks and were like was like hey like i really want to get into this but i need some i need some help and so um i ended up hunting with mostly guys the first two to three years that i hunted or by myself so i I really Mm. didn't hunt with women at all um and so that led me to just asking if women wanted to put together a hunt, which ended up leading into what for two years now has been um, what we just call deer camp. Yes. The, the, right. So yes. like the first, the, the first iteration of deer camp ended up being 18 women in the crazy mountains hunting elk, mule deer and whitetail. And then um, last year we went out to Miles city, Montana where we hunted um, pronghorn, mule deer, and white tails. So, um, and to like see the success from year to year, I mean, like just in the first two years, you know, we had like an increase. We had we killed one deer the first year and four deer and one antelope the second year. So, like, you know, the success rate is just right. going, and it, it's been amazing to see how different everyone's confidence was coming into the second year you know I think there was like all the stuff we had to all put on the table and it also wasn't all the same women but like women just came and they're like we're here to hunt right and like that was it and it was incredible you know like the amount of time and miles that were put out of mile city while we were out there this year this past year I know I, yeah. I kept seeing oh we're getting ready for deer camp oh we're getting ready for deer camp and I was going where is this yeah. deer camp <laughs> <laughs> where do I sign up right. it's um I know, I know. it looks it's like a, a great a... group of women um like a great group of women and everything that was that I was hearing all the stories I was hearing it was just like man that sounds it sounds amazing well, uh, and the, it's nerve wracking, right? Like, um, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself in the industry uh-huh. as like being when I probably have, like, I write a lot about women. Um, I write when brands, you know, disrespect women. Yeah. I, um, write about what it means to progress with size inclusivity. And, um, I think that the hunting media world is 10 to 15 years behind everyone else on that and like and I'm not going to waste my breath or my energy trying to make the traditional hunting media happy like I would rather have them pissed off at me than you know not know who I am so um I I feel like a really deep responsibility to not only these women but to LGBT people in our community to people of color in our community 
to indigenous people in our community and like understanding that like all of those voices are still a part of this um and yet like you know the demographics prevail and which is i also think something to understand and to pay credence to um it's it's an interesting battle but you know through deer camp i think um i was really nervous the first time you know like i think i also had preconceived notions about who were women that hunted yeah and so like i was really testing those notions yeah um and it just it just paid off and you know tenfold like if not more and and i really do have the community like i don't have to hunt with, not that i don't want to and i still do hunt with men and fish with men but like I have so many female friends that hunt now um, all over the country that, like, I could spend years hunting and, like, not hunt with all of these women right. who, you know, who I've met at this point. Right. So, no, I get that. Yeah, I feel like there, that community aspect is so important. It's so important. And there is, I think, I've only solo hunted until recently. And, um, and I think my biggest fear of hunting with other women <laughs> is based on past relationships with female communities of the drama and the, um, I don't, there, there are major fears that can come. Yes. And yeah. I'm not. But I think that like, when you think about like, when were we in these communities? Like a lot of times <laughs> it was like when I was younger, yeah. right? Like whether it was like playing soccer or lacrosse or, you know, like going to the barn that I would mm-hmm. ride at, like, like the drama was like teenage girl drama, yes. you know, or twenties drama. And then like, um, honestly, like, I think that our deer camp is like, it's such a, varied group of women (laughs) that like there there can't be any drama because like one there isn't time for it and two like we're really there to support each other Mm -hmm. and everyone comes in with that attitude and and I really try to set that tone right like this is not a this is not a place for you to like you're not coming here to be guided you're not coming here to be coddled you're not coming here to be educated like you're coming here to hunt and like it's hard hunting in Montana. You better be in shape or, you know, as in shape as you can be like you, like this is on you. Right. So like, I really, really try to set that tone. Um, so, I mean, that might weed some people out, but like, if that's the case, then, um, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, that's really the mentality that we have when we hunt, like, like that's what it's about. Yeah. It's about, you know, and there's your learning common, together and putting food on the table. Right. There's your common ground. That's why there's right. less of that because everybody's there for a common goal and it's not to pussyfoot around. Well, and we're all invested. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We're all invested. Yes. So like I charge, a, I charge $50 for people to come and like, to me, like fifty dollars is like the baseline for people to be like, oh yeah, I should go to that. Yeah. I spent fifty dollars on it. So like, that's really more of what it's about than like supporting the camp. The camp is self-supporting, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, You're pulling so, like, your weight. A lot of that money. Yeah, I mean, everybody brings their own food. Like they they know that like we're gonna provide some meals, but we're gonna do it together. Right. Like it's a communal meal. So like, um it's been really incredible to see like what women bring. Like uh, we do like a wild game night and we have everything from like duck to mountain lion to bear. That's amazing. Deer to elk. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we had moose this year. So like it's, 
you know, like everyone's really like digging into their freezers or saving things, you know, for, for deer camp. Yeah. So, um, which like, <laughs> I actually ended up like mentoring all at deer camp and then, um, I ended up having some family stuff go on this fall. So um, I have an empty freezer right now. It's real bummer. But, <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I'm feeling, like I, I'm feeling like I should have been much more selfish than I was. But, um, you know, hindsight is 2020. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty funny to sort of get caught up in that and be like, oh, right. Like, I, I, uh, I actually had a shot at um, last late of the last day of hunting season season, but it was like, it was just 50 yards too far. And I was really not going to take that risk, you know, like, and and my friend was actually with me at that point and he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, I respect whatever decision you made. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stick with it. Like, you know, 50 yards closer, take the shot. But, um, that just, wasn't the way it went down. No, and I'd rather, I would rather not take a shot at that, like that, than take one and have it turn out badly. That's, nobody wants that. Oh, yeah. No. No, no. And it was like within like three to five minutes of shooting light being done. Yeah. So it's like, at that point, you're really on the edge. And I was just like, hmm. no, you know, I'll sit here and watch these guys yeah. like fade off into the stage. <laughs> Enjoy but, your lives until next season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were certainly a family group. And I, I like, I have really funny like feelings about things like with uh, uh, growing up around horses and um, like understanding her dynamics yeah. and like deciding like which animals I want to take and which animals I don't. So it's, um, yeah, I'm not sure that I would have, I don't know. I might have. It's, it, it's just, you know, it's all so based in the moment. It really is. I was about that to just, say that. That just wasn't the right one. Nope. It wasn't the right one. No. And if you had, and okay. I mean, the last thing that you want to do is regret taking something when, of course, when yeah. you're not, you didn't feel that. When you build a life, like, on being ethical in the field, like, there's also a certain pressure of, like, you know, to, to be, like, the pressure was never external in that moment. Yeah. You know, it was just all like oh man like could this, couldn't this have been like two or three hours ago <laughs> you know like <laughs> please like right like maybe I could have put a stock on or figured something out yeah but yeah it's just the way things line up sometimes now did deer camp lead into um modern huntsman or how did that come across no that's kind of all it's actually pretty funny I think it actually really came through um a brand connection through gear junkie uh-huh. um the brand is trauma chairs and the guy was like i think you'd really get along with the modern huntsman folks and like introduced me through email a while ago and then um tyler and i had actually never met before we started working together and um somehow my name got thrown into the hat when um they were thinking of who to ask to be editor-in-chief and um, or editors in general at that point. I think initially Jillian Lukowski was going to be the editor-in-chief. Well, I mean, she was initially the editor-in-chief, and then um, she just had too much stuff going on. Like, I don't know if you know who Jill is. She's the noisy plume on Instagram. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but yeah, she's, 
she's one of my favorite people in the outdoors world. She's definitely like a, a freewheeling artist, but um, super cool, super well-spoken, like really a lot funnier than I think people know. Um, and she's just super thoughtful, but she couldn't do it. And um, so Tyler decided to offer it to me. And um, so that was really, I think that was in like, July mm-hmm. that all of this sort of started coming together and then um Lindsay Brown Davis came on formerly Lindsay Elliott of Wilder Goods um Jess Johnson from the Wyoming Wildlife Federation mm-hmm. who's just a really dear friend um and Katie Marchetti who works with Modern Huntsman um and so there was just sort of like this really cool group of women that I no just kidding. ended up getting to <laughs> spend a couple months, you know, um, working with. And really, like, um, the dig was really, like, September, October, where we were just digging in to do a bunch of the editing and, like, Finishing really up. getting our hands dirty. Yeah. 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 So um, that was... Yeah, it was it was really cool to be doing something that was a little more literary. Um, that's really like where like my love lies when it comes to the world of writing. So that part of it was a total total gift. Well, it's um, a beautiful, beautiful piece. Uh, just between the writing, all of the writing, truly from all of the writers. Um, to the photography, to the colors, the layout, I, it just, it's a, it's a work of art. And I know that most, um, like this, I don't know. It, it was definitely on my Christmas list. I got it. I was happy. Um, I know I saw that. I was so freaking excited. Um, in fact, I was like, if I don't get this people, I'm like, who has my name? It's going to be a problem. Who has my name in the drawing for the family (laughs) Christmas? If I don't get this, it's going to be very disappointing. Um, But I think that I just sat there just overwhelmed looking at all of the stories um, of real hunters out there who, um, who are a lot of them just like me. Um, Yeah. Just normal people who have a passion for it. And, uh, I think that each of the stories, um, kind of, it, it completely, uh, told, uh, the passion of each of them in it. So, um, thank you (laughs) to all of the editors out there. Well, I mean, what was really cool and interesting about it was like a lot of the contributors were already, lined up by the time I came on board. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a lot of women that I hadn't worked with in the industry. It was a lot of women that I didn't know. Um, Like I got to become friends with um, Valentine, the, and she's um, the spearfisher. Sorry, I'm still like in and out of, yeah. Um, So Valentine and I have become good friends. And then um, just getting to like read the work about all these other women. Um, I loved learning more about the Wind River Reservation and like all these different histories that were going on yes. there. So, I mean, it's, I think there, it's progress, right? Yeah. And like progress moves slowly in our industry. And I think um, there's, 
there's certainly like a very like um sort of white woman bent to that particular book mm-hmm. you know but we really worked hard to try to bring in diverse voices yeah. um as much as we could but it's it's really interesting like how I think a lot about tokenism versus inclusion and what that means too, right? Yeah. So like figuring out like how you make diversity um, authentic rather than forced. Right. So um, we certainly tried our best and I would think that like in five years it could be a totally different issue. You know what I mean? Like with all the different stories and people that are getting FaceTime these days. So. Uh, I'm interested to just keep seeing how we progress with like women's voices and diverse voices and like what does it mean to you know make space for other people in a world that's like very traditionally white and male I agree I agree like you said earlier it's the hunting community is a little behind some of the other um, communities out there but it is I don't know that the numbers keep rising on women entering the hunting community, but they also keep decreasing after that one hunt. And, um, you know, that one group hunt that they go on and then it's like they fall, they fall off, off the face of the earth because of the mentorship behind it. Well, I just don't think that you create communities with like those sort of canned hunts. Yep. Um, like what we did with Deer Camp was really intentional. Um, as much as it was accidental, like it was also like, okay, like you're coming here to struggle and like out of struggle, you build community. Yes. And like there's no struggle when you have a mentor to hunt with planted pheasants. Um, you know, there might be some internal struggle from the new hunters Mm -hmm. who don't know what they're doing but they're like there certainly isn't like a collective struggle um for success yeah so i think that when we're thinking about bringing new hunters in um and i'm a new hunter you know i didn't shoot a gun until i was 30 so i've only been in the game for five years and so like when i think about it it's like well why did i stay in it and it's because i had community Mm -hmm. and like Um, And I had a network and like that network was my professional network, but it was also my personal network. And so like this becomes like a a deeply connected thing. Right. And like um, I think we forget in our like very individualistic country that like community is the core of what makes us passionate about something, you know, like. I mean, even like runners need each other to compete against. Yes. Right. So like it's the same thing with hunting i think that like you can put people in a class you can make them pay 500 dollars to go on a hunt or whatever but like until they've actually like invested emotionally mm-hmm. physically and like really spiritually with other people like they haven't been able to create community or lasting ties i agree I was uh, I was talking with Cindy last week and we talked about, you know, her her goals with mentorship and how she sees that happening. Like just a one hunt, one time hunt. It doesn't that doesn't keep them in. What does is the mentorship. It doesn't give them access. No, it doesn't. It doesn't grow. Yeah. Like she talked about she talked about, you know, starting off 
with with classes and then starting with squirrel hunting and small game and rabbit and that kind of thing and then going into um birds or uh and then into deer but then putting fishing in there too so get doing a whole year of mentorship and introducing to different pieces of the community getting into volunteering in that community which then builds your community bigger and then right. all of a sudden you're surrounded by not just one mentor, but multiple mentors, multiple right. access um, points, multiple ways of staying into it. And that changes the ball game. I think that and just creating like easy access. Yeah. Like I think that if people were really willing to open up their camps, you know, to like, I mean, <laughs> It's unnerving to just like go on Instagram and be like, do any women want to hunt? Like, (laughs) I'm not betting anyone. (laughs) Um, Like, there are a lot of people that follow me on Instagram that I don't think that I would be friends with or don't know at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I, um, am secretly like a pretty judgmental person. (laughs) Um, So so it was like, it was a lot for me to do that. And um, I can understand like why people wouldn't want to do that. But I mean, if people are really dedicated to it, like, I think that if you open up your camp or like say, okay, like one weekend a year, like I'm going to like create a space for people to come and learn on their own volition, Mm -hmm. like then you're going to see a lot of people like coming in, building community, going through those, like hunting is hard. It's a struggle. Um, and it's a messy business. It truly is. You know, like it's, I think that like when you're really doing it together, like it is a bonding experience. So, I mean, like look at the history of deer camps in our country, mm-hmm. like all over. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's easier than people are making it out to be. But I also like, um, I, I take like a little bit of like a devil's advocate view on hunters decreasing um because i think that like honestly like the most uh like if it's it's probably like older white men who aren't going to be in hunting as much anymore right because like older women didn't hunt as much as they did right so like as those like sort of like holders of tradition are leaving like that leaves more space for new people to come in and create new traditions agreed and so like i I don't necessarily think that like hunting decreasing is that big of a catastrophe. Um, I think that it's part of the reason why we're seeing so many people come to it and create their own traditions and, and um, harken back to, you know, traditions that maybe even went on before, you know, like, um, like the gal did and that piece on the wind river reservation, you know? So I, I think that, um, I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. And I think that like with a lot of the issues that our wildlife are facing with losing habitat, with CWD, mm-hmm. with all these other issues, like hunting opportunities are likely to become less rather than more. Agreed. And so I think that like really what we need is an overhaul of how we fund conservation. And I think um, that outdoor recreation is ready to step up. Yeah. I just like, I think that that movement is ongoing but I like that vibe is there um and I think people are beginning to understand you know not only what hunting means but what hunting has done on a funding basis through you know um 
uh, oh my God, my brain just like is not working on these meds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Robertson and um, the ding, ding darling thing, but like all the, you know, the excise taxes. You're doing much better yeah. than me. I, the, the, oh my God. I think that I think, I think that we're shifting. I think we're shifting back to, and I think, I mean, if you go back in time, way back in time to Native Americans here, um, I think that you see the whole family involved. You see women hunting, you see men hunting. Like, it's not this, um, the men go out to hunt and the women gather. Like, that's not how it was. Not for... I, that's not how it was. And so if you if you see where it was then and then it shifted into this all male situation, and I think it's shifting back to um, to family involvement and into all of these different roles of of men and women and kids. And I think I like you're saying, I think, I think we, in different parts of our nation, there is the decrease is a little bit more exponential than other places. I was doing a, I was looking at the numbers over the past couple of years and some states, the numbers are higher than they were a couple of years ago. In Tennessee, it's dramatically yeah. lower, dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's it's kind of like, okay, well, what are we doing wrong? What or what where is the shift happening? Is it more families? Is it more like are we having generations die off? We're losing a whole lot of family land. We're losing a whole lot of um, public land. We're in our state. And so it's kind it's more Yeah, I mean as agriculture gets corporate, yes. like people lose their family leaves. I mean, I mean, right here, like, we are losing like in my county, I can't tell you how many family farms have been bought out for development in the past six months. Right. And that is devastating. Um, there's progress and then there's there's the hard side of seeing that progress. Um, right. So instead of saying, oh, the numbers, it's a dramatic, it's okay, well, why? Where's the shift? Where can we support, um, you know, the different the different people coming in now? Um, how can we support them? How, well, and how how do you support the people that lost access but like still yes. have like where do we go? Their grandpa's rifle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I lost the place that I've hunted for the past four years. the The night before hunting season opened completely lost it. Oh, bummer. No kids. My, it was the first year the kids were going to be hunting. No kids were allowed. And I was very kindly probably asked, Hey, you, this is just probably not the spot anymore. And so there we are night before opening archery season. Well, now where do we hunt? I'd never hunted public land before. Um, Right. And so I've had to learn this year and it has been hard. It has been. It's not easy. No, it is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, even in Montana where we have like, you know, Montana has, um, I don't know, actually like the millions of acres off the top of my head that we have as public land to hunt. But 
Um, even in addition to that, we have 7.2 million acres of private land mm-hmm. that are opened up through our black management program. Yeah. So um, I spend a lot of time on like using um, accessible private land to hunt. Um, and it's hard. I mean, you know what? My freezer's empty, but I did hunt hard. Like yeah. when I was hunting, I was, you know, it, it was with a purpose. Right. So it's, it's, um, you have to learn the rhythms of those lands just like any other. And those rhythms can change depending on how we're using them. Yes. Plants. So there's, a lot of different things that go yep. into it and um there's a huge there's just a huge learning curve it really and it doesn't is. happen overnight no. and it doesn't happen in one hunting season no it doesn't and it's you know? it's uh it's kind of like i don't know i i see like what you were saying about hey this is here's a new hunter who doesn't have access to land, who who does or to private land to somebody that will let them for season upon season upon season go and hunt. Okay, well, how do they learn where to go? And that was where I was. Right. How do I learn where to go? Who, who do I talk to? What maps do I pick up? How do I... Um, how do I kept being told by all of the Western people, you need to go out and glass and you need to look and you, well, I have 15 acres to work on. I don't have a hill. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't have a Western, hill. <laughs> yeah. Western hunting is so it's different. It's so different, I think, but I want to you know, do like that. I can, right. Yeah. Right. So it's just, I mean, I want to go set, I want to go sit in a tree come, stand. Come you know, sit like, in I've a tree stand. That. Come sit in a tree stand. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it's just, it's all different, but it, it is all how the question is, how can we support you? What information right. do you need? How can, you know, where can we send you for maps? Where can we send you for this? And then truly, 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 you just have to get out there and, and fail. <laughs> You have to get out there and... Well, it's hard, right? And I, I think that, like, people have that idea of hunting as, like, just go out and shoot a deer. You can't do that. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not that easy. It's, it's, um, it's an effort mm-hmm. and it's a year-long effort, yeah. really. And, um, it can be a multi-year effort. I mean, yeah. the reason that I killed my deer in 2018 was because I had scouted and hunted for 10 days um the year prior mm-hmm. um in that area and others and figured out okay this is a great place with a lot of deer that i'm likely to get a shot yeah and the next year i went to that place and filled my tag within three days yep. so you know and i didn't i didn't have the luxury of that this year unfortunately um so it it really comes down to what you're willing to put in, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, and I, I love being out there by myself. I mean, I've killed my past two bucks by myself and packed them out. And, um, like that to me was astonishing yeah. that I was capable of doing it. it. So, good. I mean, it feels so good. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and that's something that like nobody can take away from me. Nope. So, um, and I see a lot of women that do get their accomplishments taken away from because their husband was there, their boyfriend was there. And, you know, like you see women go out and do amazing things and then um, 
their accomplishments get handed over to the men that accompany them. Yeah. And so I think like to, to say that that was a motivator for me would probably be an understatement. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I really, really want people to understand and I have, and I certainly have physical limitations. I had physical limitations when I did it. I have physical limitations right now. Right. Um, you know, like I'm undergoing bilateral total knee replacements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if I can go out there and do it, anybody can. Yeah. Like that's, that's like the whole gist. Um, and that's really something that I like. And I know I'll continue to strive for with hunting. It's why I want to get a bird dog. You know, like I, I want to learn that whole side. Yes. Um, and it just it allows me to be a kid. You know, like I get I'm so curious. Like I want to keep learning. And like there's no end to like the hunting cultures that exist in our country. That like I can go and learn from that. You know, like I can like I was able to go. Um, uh, waterfowl hunting in Kansas on like this crazy ranch that like I could have never afforded. Yeah, but like got to go on this trip with all these women and have like this incredible time hunting waterfowl. Like completely fell in love with it. You know, it is um, so much fun. So it's so fun. You know, and like, and I want to have that experience of sitting in the tree and you know, archery hunting whitetails and like mm-hmm. getting out into Pennsylvania and seeing what it's like there and like going down to Florida and like hunting hogs and turkeys, yes. you know, like yes. those, like all of those different things are like so intriguing to me because there are different cultures that revolve around them. Yeah. And you get to learn all about it each time. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I am excited to see where you're going to be going. I know you've got a lot of healing in 2020 yeah. to do. Um, <laughs> And so we are, I'm cheering you on in that, in that aspect, because it is a mental game. Um, uh, it is a lot of, of the mindset in healing in that. And especially when you're so outdoors driven. Um, so I'll be thinking about you and cheering you on. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, at this point, like my, my, like, um, way to fulfill my outdoors is just to go like stand with my horse and just like give her like a five minute hug <laughs> just, like, like, let me, like I will ride you again mm-hmm. someday let me just <laughs> osmosis give me your yeah. all of your soul and spirit as I stand here <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's exactly yeah it. yeah so well thank you slow going but um yeah I, I I appreciate the distraction of getting to talk about the things I love to do good. so good. thank you so much for for having me on. You are very welcome and thank you, thank you. Um, you keep us posted on on what you're going to be doing and I will be following your, your health journey. Um, but tell, tell people real quick how they can follow you. Yeah. Um, so you can either find me through my writing on gearjunkie.com um, and if you go to our little hunt and fish tab, you'll pretty easily find my articles and you can click on my name and just get a list of everything that I've ever done there. Um, my Instagram is NK Qualtieri. If you just type in NKQ, you can find me there. Um, 
and yeah, and I'm also on Facebook. And if there are any women that are interested in learning more about Deer Camp, um, just shoot me a message on Facebook and we'll connect and I'll bring you into the group. Okay. So um, it's open to everyone and anyone from observer to lifelong hunter. Okay. So yeah. That sounds good. Well, thank you, Nicole. I appreciate it. Thanks, Amy. Okay, you can follow Nicole on GearJunkie.com, find her articles, read them, they are amazing, or you can go on Instagram, NK Qualtieri, uh, and on Facebook, if you are interested in Deer Camp at all, give her, um, send her a message and get involved, um, she will add you on.